Thank you guys so much for sharing about uh, what's going on at Downey. And let me just encourage you. Uh, first of all, if you haven't signed up for Church Beyond the Walls, please, please, please do that. Um, my very first experience with Church Beyond the Walls was actually being at Downey for that first uh, Trunk or Treat event. I can tell you that there are some amazing students, just like Lauren was saying down there, amazing staff. We ended up taking a group of students down there the next summer to do a VBS project down there, and we saw God moving some big ways. And so if you're looking for a project, we have many to do, but I will 100% plug down the elementary as the place to be because it is so cool to witness what God is doing in the lives of the little ones all the way up through the administration, and we we're just so excited for that. So if you've not signed up, make your way out to the hub after the service. See Joan or Dave. They can get you guys signed up real quick. I just want to say again, thanks for joining us, whether here in person, whether online. I know it's kind of like really not fun weather right now. It's like, you know, fall swung in all of a sudden, like, like late this week, and then it was like, and we're going to rain on Sunday, right? You're like, yes, awesome. Last Sunday out doing it at the tent, and it started pouring right in the middle of my sermon, so I'm thankful to be indoors right now. Um, and by the way, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I just want to say again, thanks for being here. We are walking through a series in the book of Acts that we are calling Acts of the Spirit. We are looking specifically at how the early church began to take root, to grow, transform, and mobilize into the church that we are today, this global phenomenon. And what we are doing is we are calling the series Acts of the Spirit because it is only through the Spirit's power that this church, who we are today, went forth. And as we were getting ready for this series and George was kind of walking through, he said, Nick, I want you to preach this message. I want you to preach about spiritual momentum. And I said, great. That sounds awesome. I love what that says. I love being momentous. I have no idea what that actually means. And so during my time of study over the past few weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what I know how to do best. And I was like, I'm going to explore this question of what is momentum? And so I did what every other youth worker around the country does, and I consulted Google. And I said, Google, what is momentum? An easy definition. I will caveat what's going to come up next by saying this. I am not a science guy. Like when you go to ministry school, they literally go, hey, there was creation and that was science. And you're like, yes, and that's about it. Like in high school, science was not my jam. They're like, do you know what the periodic table is? I was like, you use it periodically, right? And they're looking at me, they're like, no. Like I was the one high school boy who could not use the Bunsen burner. They're like, you cannot specifically touch fire, Nick. I'm like, why? They're like, that should be the answer right there, right? I was like, okay. Okay, I'm not going to do it. So I was like, I'm going to try to be smart. I'm going to look at Google because if I show up on Sunday morning and go, I have no idea what I'm talking about, that's not going to end well for me, right? So I went to Google, and this is what Google gave me. Check this out. It is a property of a moving body that the body has by virtue of its mass and motion, and that is equal to the product of the body's mass and velocity. I hate you, Google. Like, for real. That, I literally typed easy definition in the search engine. And it gives me this. It's a strength or a force carried, gained by motion or by a series of events. Literally from Merriam-Webster, this was the definition. And I said, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I am in so much trouble. So, again, being a youth worker, I did the next best, best thing. I went to YouTube. 
I'm like, you know what? If all else fails, I am going to YouTube. And so about two hours later, after I was done watching a lot of cute little animals playing around with each other, I said, okay, I actually need to do some work. And so I looked, and I finally figured it out. I found this one video where this professor of physics literally goes, here's the definition. He gave that big definition. He goes, if you want a really simple one, I'm like, yes. He goes, here's what it is. Momentum is this. Momentum equals mass times velocity. I was like, all right, Google, you're out. YouTube, you're in. All right? I was like, YouTube is where I'm going for all of my answers from now on when it comes to science stuff, because apparently YouTube knows what they're talking about. If I'm wrong on this, remember, not a science guy, blame YouTube, okay? But here's what I came to understand, right? It doesn't necessarily matter just the velocity. It has to be mass, the size, times the velocity, the speed, the movement, in order to get the momentum. Let me kind of give you a visual picture of this, okay? Think of it this way. How many of you have seen a rowboat? You should all raise your hand because it's on the screen right now, right? We've all seen a rowboat. There we go, right? We know a rowboat, by nature, goes very slow. Unless you're like superhuman and you do like those, like those rowing competitions in college, not me, right? But they're like, they can go really fast. But even then, it's like if you put a motor on a boat next to those people, so much easier, so much faster, right? So rowboat goes slow, but so does a barge. My wife, at least, and I, when we were in Iowa, one of the towns we lived in, we were right along the Mississippi River. It was beautiful. And what I didn't realize until I moved out there, the Mississippi River is actually a huge part of the shipping industry. There are massive barges that come down the Mississippi River. They actually have locks in the Mississippi to adjust the water so these massive barges can come through. But by comparison, an ocean-sized barge is even bigger. But here's the thing. Neither one of these vessels go fast. But the problem is, it's a lot easier to stop a rowboat than it is a barge. In fact, if you remember, just last year, a very slow-moving barge actually backed up the Suez Canal because it got stuck. And it affected the entire shipping worldwide. So momentum is not just about size, it's also about speed. It's velocity and mass together, multiplied together, and you get this momentum. And so what we're going to be talking today about is spiritual momentum. About how we, as followers of Jesus, can actually increase our spiritual momentum. I want to actually take some time to go, what is spiritual momentum and why is it actually necessary? But hang on. I, I think we understand this a little bit from those pictures, but give me a second. We're actually going to do a little experiment of our own. And we're going to pray this work, so if you're not praying, please pray. Um, because I tried to do this outdoors, and um, let's just say the humidity, the rain, and the wind did not play along. But here's the thing. How many of you have ever bowled before? Anybody bowled? I've tried, usually doesn't end well. But what I did is I said, hey, I've got an idea, right? Because I know my friends down at Kidstep, they have a bowling lane. And so I've got my bowling lane, right? And I've got, I've actually got bowling pins, right? We're going to see if these stand up. Nope, they're going to fall. So we're going to put them on the wood. Don't fall. Stay. We're not going to do all nine. I tried to do that at the nine o'clock and we were there for about an hour. But here's the thing, right? We just talked about how 
momentum is about mass times velocity. You, you stay over here. Stay. Now, what if we had a lot of small little things, like ping pong balls, that we can throw really, really fast, right? We can just like wind up, and you can throw them, and you can keep throwing them, and you're like, man, maybe, maybe, maybe I can get one, right? But it's so difficult. Hey, I got three. That's better than I did at the first service, right? That's awesome. But here's the thing, right? I had to make a huge mess I have to clean up later in order just to knock down a few pins. But what if, what if we said, hey, what if we made the mass a little bit bigger? And we said, ooh, I've got this adorable little bowling ball to go along with this adorable little bowling alley, right? And it was like, I'm not a bowler, so don't judge. But it's like, ooh, I can get one, right? That was actually really good. I didn't do that to the other service either. But what if we just had a lot of mass? And what if we just said, hey, we don't need to rush, but we can just go slow. <laughs> Again, this is one of those things that, like, in my mind, I was like, great example. And this is exactly what happened at 9 o'clock. <laughs> I was like, man, this has to make sense. You will never forget this sermon. You're going to be like, do you remember when he tried and he failed? Come to Hershey Free. It's a lot of fun. Um, but like, the point is this though, is I think often what happens with us in Christendom is when we think about momentum, we oftentimes just focus on the velocity. We, we go, okay, this is great. Like, we, we believe in doing good things. And I've got a lot of velocity. There's a lot of us. We're going to go really, really fast. And that's exactly what happens. It's like scattershot. It just goes everywhere. There's no focus. But I believe what we as Christians need to be doing instead is thinking about not just our mass, but also the velocity. About saying, hey, if I have mass times velocity, then I can have the most impact for the kingdom of heaven. If I spiritually bulk up, if, I, if I'm growing I can reach more people effectively. Because I'll be honest, simply rushing into something and trying to hit it without having the, the, the mass and the capacity to do so really doesn't do much in the long run. It's when we actually have them together that we have the greatest opportunity for kingdom impact. And so what I want to do this morning is kind of answer that question. What is spiritual momentum? But then I want to take some time and look at the end of Acts chapter 2. To look at the end of Acts chapter 2 and to say, what do we learn from the early church in this way? But before we get to that, we have to define what spiritual momentum is. And I would say spiritual momentum is this. It is spiritual maturity and growth. Spiritual maturity and growth, the mass, coupled with us reaching people where God places and sends us as the velocity. You see, God has uniquely placed us, whether we realize it or not, in specific areas to reach people. It could be your home your job, your school, your, your sports team that you're on. It could be your neighborhood, the community that you're a part of. God has divinely placed you there for a purpose. 
And what we have to understand is that's where he's putting us. He's saying, these are the people I want you to reach. Go to them. Go to them. But we also need to understand that we have to be spiritually mature and growing in order to be effective in reaching them. Because here's the thing. It's not about us growing the numbers in this building. It's about growing the kingdom of heaven. And if we simply go with just speed, we cannot succeed in growing the kingdom of heaven. You see, we need both speed, velocity, and mass in order for momentum to succeed. And I would actually argue that if we only go with velocity, what we've actually done is we've fallen prey to moralism, which is simply doing good works because they're good. It is when we grow in our spiritual mass that we can step back and go, it's not about just the good things. It's about the greatest thing and people knowing the Savior. It's about growing the kingdom of heaven. And what that means is it allows us to not just rush into things unprepared, but instead to spiritually bulk up and advance the gospel, the kingdom of heaven. Pastor Dave has a saying that, that I've just stolen over the years. And he often says this when it comes to Church Beyond the Walls, so you will probably hear him say this next week. He says it's people over projects. That yes, at Church Beyond the Walls Sunday, we are going out into the community and we are doing projects. But the project isn't the focus. The people are the focus. Like even at Downey, in as much as like, Maybe some of you are going to go and do the trunk or tree, or maybe you're going to help with like the different games and activities. It's not about doing it right. It's not about having the best car, although there are some amazing trunks that people have decorated in the past. There's one that literally ate your stuff and shot things out. There was a kid hiding in the trunk. It was amazing. Um, totally like blew my mind. Um, but like, that's not the focus. It's the little kids and their parents. It's building relationships and showing them that the body of Christ is more than just a building. It's pointing them to the Savior. We can go down there and bake cookies every day. But that amounts to nothing in eternity. It's about mass and velocity together. And that will then allow for us to have the greatest impact in this community. To see the gospel go forth in big and dynamic ways. To see the kingdom of heaven explode because we are paying attention to what God is calling us to. Because not are we, we are not just rushing into things. We are allowing for the spirit to work in our lives. To transform us so that we can move outwards. To reach the communities we are involved in. And see the kingdom of heaven flourish. But in order to do that, we need to think about how do we actually bulk up. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in the last handful of verses, beginning in verse 42. Pastor George last week actually went through the entire other part of this chapter. So thank you, George, for doing the hard part. I get the really practical piece, the tangible piece. But beginning in verse 42, this is what we read. Luke writes this. They, this is the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And so all the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions, and they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, here's the thing. Do you notice what comes at the end? It's at the end of this passage that we see numbers coming. And you know what's really interesting here? Luke doesn't give us an actual number. And I think that's intentional. Because numbers in buildings don't matter. It doesn't matter. It's numbers in the kingdom that do. We don't have to be the biggest, baddest church in the area. But if we are the church that loves Jesus and advances his kingdom, we are doing exactly what Christ has called us to. But we need to talk about this a little bit. We need to talk about how do we actually spiritually bulk up that. If we are to do this, if the end result is people being saved and knowing who Jesus is, the transformative power of the gospel, how do we actually do this? How do we bulk up? How do we have the mass? Because I think we've got the velocity piece down. I think for our church and many churches, we are really good at meeting needs, but we need to develop that mass a little bit more. So how do we do that? Well, I think this passage actually walks us right through it. And the first way we do that is by devoting ourselves to God's word. When you read in this passage right away, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The cool thing is when you actually dig into this passage, like, it's not saying, hey, they did it just on Sundays. Hey, it's not just that they did it on Sundays in like a midweek service. This is continual and ongoing. They are devoting themselves to the teaching, God's word, faithfully. They are ingraining it into their lives and making it a part of who they are. They are not settling for a once a week dose of the gospel. It has so impacted them that they have devoted their entire lives to God's word. So in order to spiritually bulk up, we need to be spending consistent amounts of time in God's word. It needs to be a part of us to shape who we are, to foundationally change our lives as we seek to be kingdom workers. But it's also then by engaging in fellowship with other believers. Again, in verse 42, we see this. It says, look, they came together to listen to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Part of what I think Luke is getting at here is this, is like part of being in community means being in community. Like if, if, the, if the end of our community is Sunday mornings, like we come in, we sit down, and we leave, we have missed something big. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be fellowshipping with one another. We are called to be in this life together. We are called to be doing life with one another. And the cool thing here is that when, when, when Peter is talking about this, Again, the way he has this described is he's not just looking at a one-day thing. The grammatical like, understanding of this passage is it's ongoing. It continues. It doesn't stop. Fellowship should be happening both here in the building and outside of it. It should be happening in our communities, in our jobs, in our schools, on our buses, in our neighborhoods. 
We are called to be in fellowship with one another. But he takes it further. He goes, look, it's not just about engaging in fellowship with other believers. It's also, also through communion and prayer. And this is, this is where it gets a little bit crazy. Because when you read this, Again, what Peter is getting at here is not just doing communion once a month in church and praying just when you're in church. This is an ongoing thing. And that makes some of us a little bit like leery because like, I think in what, what Peter is actually saying is that we should be embodying communion and taking part in communion outside of church as well as inside. Because here's the crazy thing. Check this out. The Bible says where two or more are gathered together, there I am in, your, in, in name. I am with you in those moments, right? God says he is with us where we gather together. And if we're gathering together as believers and we are embracing this and fellowshipping and engaging in God's teaching together, then I truly believe that we can live out what communion is in each moment of every day. Because communion is a reminder of the sacrifice paid on our behalf. It's a moment to reflect and remember what God has done. It's a moment to say, God, I need to ask forgiveness because I have broken myself in so many ways and I have broken your, lo- your laws, God. But then it's also about remembering that God says, I restore, I make whole, I bring hope. That is something that as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, we should be living out each moment of every day. So I fully believe that Peter's intent here was for us to understand that communion and prayer are not just things we do once a week. They are a lifestyle that we live. And it should radically alter how we engage with this world. So we are to be devoting ourselves to God's word, engaging in fellowship with other believers, sharing in communion and prayer, but we also then need to share in life together and be for one another. It's interesting here what Peter does is he actually takes this, this, this sense of fellowship that he talked about, about engaging in fellowship earlier in verse 42. And he says, look, he goes, some of you have a lot. And we're told that they go and they sell their possessions and they bring it back. And some of you just kind of gasp a little bit because you're like, is he going to tell me to sell my car and my house and give the money to the church? No, I'm not. But what I think is happening here is this, is I think within this early church, just as within ours and the church around the world, there were socioeconomic discrepancies in that church. You had people who had nothing, and you had people who had excess. And I think what you see is a beautiful picture of those who have excess going, we're in this together. I can release this to help you flourish and succeed. And I think part of growing spiritually of allowing that mass, a spiritual transformation to happen in our own lives, comes to this understanding of when we see people who are in need in our community, we rally to them. Because when we are fellowshipping and sharing life with one another, we then begin to see the needs and the hurts and the pains, and it gives us the privilege of walking with one another. It affords us the opportunity to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. To say, you're in need, let me help. You're in a bad spot, let me help. You need somebody to pick you up out of the pit, I got you. Because the Spirit's working in my life and I want him to work in yours. So this idea of fellowship gets pushed even more to this understanding that not only are we fellowshipping, but we are sharing life and being for one another. But then it is about that corporate gathering. 
It is about coming together and fellowshipping with each other. It's about coming into this community and saying, this is something I want to be a part of. But it's not about just coming and being a part of the gathering. It's coming and actually helping the gathering to flourish. Because here's the cool thing. When we look at all these first pieces, right, and we get down to this last piece where they're celebrating and praising God. As they devote themselves to God's word and teaching, they engage in fellowship, they're sharing communion and prayer, they share life, they're for one another, they meet together corporately, they gather together, and they celebrate and praise God. It is in that moment, then, that we read at the end of this chapter, and people were added to their numbers daily. Because here's what I believe happened. I believe this early church body got it. They realized that church isn't about the building. It's about the people. They realized it's not about what we have, but who we are for. They realized it wasn't just about doing all the right things. It was about pointing people to the Savior. And I think when we embody this, this then mobilizes us outward to see kingdom transformation. Because when God is working in our own lives, within our own hearts, and we are devoting ourselves to him, our heart begins to break for what his breaks for. And we step back and we go, okay, God, like what? What do I need to be doing? Teach me, God. Show me where to go. And what I believe is that as we grow in our relationship with God, and as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit resides in us, we are moved by that Spirit, by the Spirit of God, to see where we need to be going, to see what we need to be doing. It allows us to have the greatest kingdom impact because we are shaped and formed by the gospel. And so in even thinking about next week, right, again, it's people over projects. It's saying let the mass, let our spiritual growth and maturity allow for us to meet the needs, but also to meet the people. And to be for them as we show them Jesus. So what are some real tangible things that we can take away from this? What is the end result of spiritual momentum? Well, first it's this. We need to be growing in our faith and relationship with Jesus. As we allow for spiritual momentum, what I would argue is spiritual transformation to take place, we are suddenly growing in our relationship with Jesus. We are allowing for that, that relationship to transform us. It moves us to get involved. You see, as we grow in our faith and relationship with Jesus, things should be happening. We should start noticing needs more. We should start noticing where we can step in and serve. We should start being more aware of where people are hurting and what we can do. So part of our response to this is saying, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And a real tangible step to this is getting involved in community. Like part of this fellowship is realizing that there are people from all different backgrounds and walks of life in this fellowship and being a part of what God is doing. It's saying, hey, I'm not content to just show up on a Sunday. I want more. 
It's saying, I'm not content to just, to just come in and, 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 and out of the building. I want more. And that means that we get involved. It means you get in a connect group or live, love, lead groups. It means, hey, I can step up and, and serve in different capacities. Or I can ask somebody to help me figure out how to grow more. It's taking a tangible action step of saying, I want more than the status quo. It's also about then taking a step of faith and actually serving. And again, I will put in a huge plug for Church Beyond the Walls. But let me kind of explain this real quick. Church Beyond the Walls is not just a Sunday. It should be who we are. You see, we we do one Sunday a year where we, yes, go out and we do tangible projects. From everything from cleaning off uh, headstones in the cemetery to doing stuff at Downey, to doing cookie packs for neighborhoods, to coming and, and, and serving in, in, in senior homes and, and being there for them and hosting a church service for them. Yes, but why stop there? It's not a day. It's who we are. And so we can step up and serve. And here's the cool thing. Have you ever thought about inviting a friend? Specifically somebody who doesn't know Jesus to church beyond the walls? Because if you go up and go, hey, my church is doing something crazy. We're going down to like downtown Harrisburg to serve like in elementary school. You want to drive a barrel train? They're going to be like, yeah. You want to go hand out candy to kids? Yeah. They're going to be on board with that. Hey, do you want to come and bake cookies? Can I eat one? Yeah, totally. Yeah, come on. You can bring people along. And all of a sudden now it's more people. And it's not just a project right? You're bringing people in. It's about going, okay, we did Church Beyond the Wall Sunday. What else can we do? Like, here's the crazy thing. Lauren hinted at this a little bit. We actually put together, like, care packages for the teachers at Downey Elementary. We write encouraging notes to them, and we bake food, like, baked goods that we send down to them, because we know it's tough. You may go, Nick, I can't drive a barrel train, but I can bake brownies. Fantastic. Contact Rose Davis, because she heads that up. You may go, Nick, I, 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 can't, I can't decorate a car for trunk or treat, but I can come and I can read to kids. Great. Talk to Lauren, because they need people to just come and do story time to let these kids know that they are more than just a number. It's not just about doing the things. It's about actually serving. It's about letting it be a part of our DNA because of what God is doing in our lives. It's even about stepping up and serving here. Here's the cool thing. God is doing something in this church right now. Whether or not we understand it. We are experiencing growth in our kids' ministry and our student ministry right now. To the point that we need more and more people to volunteer because God is bringing more and more young families into this community and we are seeing growth like we've never seen before. God is doing something cool. God is doing something through our people. And there are ways that you could step up and you could just be a part of what is happening. You could serve in four or five on the Sunday morning periodically through the month. You could serve on the Sunday morning at core or Wednesday night. You could say, hey, I'm in too. You could sign up to serve on our guest services team. There are tangible ways that we can bring people in and love people and care for them. And the reason we do this It's because we're living out and sharing our faith. It's a tangible way of being Jesus to this world that desperately needs him. You see, here's the reality. 
is that when we begin to develop this spiritual mass coupled with the velocity, we get this spiritual momentum that moves us to reach this world. And so let me ask you a question. Who is God uniquely placed in your life today? Who is one person in your spheres of influence that you know needs to know about the transformative power of the gospel? Who's one person you could invite that you could love and point to Jesus? You see, the reason we do this is because heart transformation then allows for outward replication. When this is growing, when this is living with and loving like Jesus, the natural response is leading others to do the same. When I came back a few months ago from my my leave of absence due to mental health, I came back and something was different. I couldn't put my finger on it at first. And this past week I was sharing with, with some of our staff team, I think I know what it is. And I'm not a prophet by any means, shape, or form. So do with this what you will. But there is something happening within our church. There is a rippling happening right now. There is a desire for something more. There is something that's just budding at the surface, ready to overflow. There is something here that is tangibly moving. And God is doing something special in and through this church. And I believe that God is calling us to mobilization. I believe God is saying, Hershey free, you have this. Go. Go and make disciples. The fact that we're experiencing growth in elementary and student ministry, the fact that young families are coming in, the fact that we are seeing our mission met, I think God is saying, do you see what I am calling you to? Do you understand that there is a needing and hurting community outside these doors? I think what God is calling Hershey Free to right now is mobilization to meet the needs of a hurting community that need to know the power of the risen Savior. And it's not just next Sunday. This is something we should be doing lifelong. Imagine, imagine if this became who we were. That we weren't content to sit on the sidelines. That we said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to make it to church on Sunday because I'm going to share with my friend who Jesus is. Praise God, don't come to church that Sunday. Go talk to that person about Jesus. And then let them be a part of God's story. It's not about growing our numbers. It's about growing the kingdoms. And imagine if that is what took hold here. Imagine if all of a sudden we left and we said, God Use me, send me, grow me, let me be a vessel for the kingdom. I think what we will see is a transformation happening here in the greater Hershey area as well as around the world. May that be our prayer this morning. That we're not content to simply sit, but we move just as God has called us to. 
We're going to wrap up our time together by actually engaging in one of the aspects that the early church did in this passage. We're going to engage in communion. And here's what I would ask you to do during this time. We're going to ask our worship team to come up. They're actually going to lead us in a song. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you just in whatever way you need to that you use this time for you. Maybe you need to say, hey, I actually need to take this time to to reflect on what Christ did for me, to repent for what I've done wrong, and to ask that he empowers me to go forth. Maybe it's during this time that you're going, man, God has just been putting a name on my heart. Maybe you spend this time just praying for that person. Maybe you start saying, God, where are you sending me? God, make my eyes open. Help me to see where I need to go. Point me in that direction. Maybe you just need to worship along with our team. Maybe you just need to praise and glorify God for who he is, what he is doing, and the power that he gives us through his spirit to reach this world. Whatever way you need to engage, the floor is yours. I'm going to pray for us, and I'll ask our worship team to lead us in that song, and I will come back up in a moment when they're done and lead us in taking of communion. Let's pray. Father God, we are just humbled by the fact that we are even able to do this. We are humbled by the fact that you sent your son to die in our place for a debt we could not afford to pay. At times, all we can do is say thank you. And even that sounds hollow. But we are so grateful, God, for what you've done. Thank you for seeing hope, for embodying grace, and giving us the opportunity to know you. Father, in this time, may we just come to the foot of the cross. May we worship you. May we praise you. May we ask for forgiveness. But Father, may we also be mobilized to reach this world. We pray this in your name. Amen.